0: for his critically acclaimed animated series Dr. Katz in the mid-1990s. He followed that up with a Peabody Award in 1998. Twenty years later, he's entertaining us anew with therapy sessions with his famous funny friends in a brand new Dr. Katz, the audiobook for Amazon's Audible. But before he ever began his comedy career, Jonathan Katz led a wonderfully weird life that included becoming best friends with playwright David Mamet in college, writing songs in the story for one movie, House of Games, with him, and touring as the musical director with the one and only Robin Williams. I paid Dr. Katz a house call to sit down and hear all about it, as well as how he lives with MS in this very special episode of Last Things First.
1: So let's get to it!
0: So, Jonathan Katz. Speaking. Yes. Uh, Last Things First. Right, that's a great name. Which which definition of Katzenjammer best fit... The sound of your band what
2: do we, are you going to give me choices
0: there are two There are two primary definitions right. for cats and jammer. One is from the German cat 's whale, right. the whale of a cat, right. and the other common definition of cats and jammer is the state of being hung over
2: oh jeez i don 't think that maybe that would apply <laughs> surely the next day.
0: <laughs> the cats, the cats, cats and the Jammers were...
2: Yeah, uh, Cats and Jammers was the name of the band.
0: Cats and Jammers.
2: Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we were a... Uh, I best describe the band with the word mediocre. <laughs> even that, that is a style. Even that's genera- generous of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you ask Alexa to play, Alexa play mediocre music, would it play Come Cats better? and Jammers? Yeah. Um,
2: You know, I had a great guitarist, lead guitarist, mm-hmm. and a great sax player. I was the front man for the band. I sung, uh, and I told, and nobody responded when I when I sang. When I talked, people would get into it. So I phased out the singing ultimately. Okay. Um, but you know what? I think I'm going to take these off. Okay. It's too weird that I'm the only one wearing headphones. <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> well, nobody can see you wearing the headphones. No, I think they sense it, though. <laughs> um,
2: and the bass player was this woman named Nina Tax, who was great. Mm-hmm. She weighed 89 pounds. Um, and she was. Uh, she did this one passive aggressive thing, which I would suggest we play a certain song, and she would go, Really? Yes, really, yeah. (laughs) Um, But we did mostly songs that I wrote and a couple of cover songs, one by a group you've probably never heard of called Aztec Two-Step. No. We did a great song called Hey Little Mama, Mm -hmm. which sounds very sweet, but if you listen to it closely, you really get to listen to a song about bondage and discipline. Um,
0: But it's still very sweet. But it has a good melody. Yeah. Um, we did. When, when you when you were the musical director on tour with Robin Williams back in 1979, right. was was the whole band with you? Or was uh, no, that no 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 that was just a,
2: a gig I got through the fact that was connected to me knowing Robin's first wife very well. You went out with her in college, right, yeah, Valerie? Valerie, yeah, right. and. Um, she played some of my music for Robin and I guess he responded to it and he asked me to join the tour where his management did. But um
0: So what was that gig what what would you do on on tour?
2: I played acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and I tried not you know, we we all sat on bar stools on stage and it was so nervous and so soaking wet that I tried not to slide off the stool. That was one of my main jobs. Um <laughs>
0: How how successful were you at that? Good, yeah. I okay. don't think I've, I don't think he even fell off once. I, I didn't notice in any of the reviews of his tour, yeah. they didn't mention you falling off, so that's good. But right.
2: but he was just so explosively funny, the, and even funnier, if you'll forgive me, was his opening act. Why would you? I need your forgiveness. That <laughs> called Rick and Ruby. Rick and Ooh, Ruby.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, that was, uh, that was the name of the episode of Mark and Mindy right. where, where sang, he sang your song. Yeah.
2: A song written with David Mammott. Right.
0: Yeah. That was uh, yeah. Mark and Mindy meet Rick and Ruby. Right.
2: And the song was called This Heart is Closed for Alterations.
0: Right. So I, I was watching uh, that episode last night before coming down to, to right. see you. And that was from season three of Mark and Mindy in March of 1981. Well, what, what was your life like then?
2: Nothing I'm proud of. <laughs> in 1981... No, I was... I met Susie, mm-hmm. my wife, in on Christmas Day, 1979. Uh, she didn't know it was Christmas, and I didn't know it was 1979. <laughs> that sort of def- has defined our relationship in some odd way. But that was... 37 years ago Yeah
0: So but the night that The night that Mork and Mindy Came on And Robin Williams Performs your song right. Did you know That was happening No No I, I, I didn't see it Until years l- later um, So that was A complete surprise
2: Yeah uh, You know I actually don't remember I'd be very surprised If I saw it Soon after he did it, because that was long before you would just
0: look on YouTube two days later. <laughs> right. So there was no forewarning so you could have a viewing party. Right. Anything right. like that. Plus,
2: I lived in New York and everything was happening in Los Angeles yeah. in those days. And in these days, oddly
3: enough. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Privilege to be here once again. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you all. <laughs> This heart is closed for alterations. And the management extends apologies. I'm sorry if I've inconvenienced you. I'll make it right before I'm through. But for a little while, just bear with me. This heart. Is closed for alterations. So please excuse the rubble and debris. You see, I've reached a few decisions and I made a few revisions. I think we'll make a new man out of me. geese bum, what's a do them. <laughs> I see that I've been taking out on you The changes that she put me through You're gonna see some changes made in me This heart is closed This heart is closed For all to reign this heart is closed This heart is closed For alterations
0: Has, when, when did you make that switch from music to stand-up? Was that already happening by March of 81 or no? Uh, 81 is when I started doing stand-up. Um, but
2: I was seen by a guy named Bob Morton who was the Producer of the Letterman Show Okay, Bob Morton, known as, also known as Morty Said to me You know, David would love to have you on the show But you can't work with your guitar Because at the time, for the, at the time being I, was, I would get on stage With a tiny little guitar Which had a cassette deck Built into it And most of what I was doing Was pre-recorded hmm. And I was considered a guitar act even though I couldn't actually play the guitar that well. Um, Even though the guitar was was more of a prop for... Yeah, but I, I was wearing the guitar, and I'd push the button mm-hmm. that made it the tape play, and if you were in the audience, you would hear, hear in my voice, without my lips moving, oh, my God, who is that exquisite creature sitting over there? She wants me
0: bad. Um... And other things like that. But where where would you perform in the early eighties? I guess um,
2: I did the cabaret scene. Okay. And uh, oddly enough, I discovered not so long ago that one, that my favorite cabaret was called. It was on Forty Second and Ninth Avenue. I forget the name of it, but the guy who ran it was Louis Black. I had no idea. Oh yeah, the West End. It. Oh the West the West End Cafe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I met Wonderful people A woman named Jane Brecker Who was mm-hmm. part of an improv group Nancy Shane was part of that group
0: I might have made that up No, I think <laughs> she was, yeah um, But that was That was more did that, Was that more comfortable for you Or just easier for you to play the cabarets Than to try to get into Catch a Rising Star oh, no. Or, yeah, I just or the comic strip
2: I, I wasn't I Didn't want people to assume that I was um, a comedian, because I wasn't. So the music was was really what I was. I was sharing, splitting music and comedy, mm-hmm. almost sixty forty in favor of the music. Okay. And I had pre recorded versions of of uh, Save the Last Dance, where I did all the backup vocals. Oh, nice. A song by Hoagy Carmichael called "The Old Music Master," and I'm mentioning these because. Regardless, it wasn't that you want to use these in editing. I'm mm-hmm. going to send you these things, okay? Especially if you really ask me to. Yeah. Um,
0: I did the locomotion. <laughs> um, Come on, baby.
2: Yeah. And I did. I think one of my biggest bits. I set it up like it was a political thing about how in the '60s was a turbulent time when there was one voice. Who, who stood above everyone else's voice in the country? Um, and all of a sudden, you hear the musical intro to "Walk Like a Man." <laughs> um.
0: That was that was above yeah. all others. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Your musical knowledge is astute. Oh, stop. <laughs> Did you graduate from the cabaret scene or, or was that.? I, I did.
2: Because I, I, then then somebody suggested I should try what I do at the improv in New York. And how did that go? I think Silver Friedman was running that place and I think she liked what I was doing.
0: That was Bud's ex wife. Yeah. Right, because she got that club in the divorce. Right.
2: He got the kids, the house in Hollywood. In Hollywood, right? Um, I don't, I don't know the terms. I did. I became friends with his daughter Zoe and mm-hmm. his other daughter Beth for a while. And Bud but I got to meet later, many years later
0: when I was working in LA on a TV show called Inc. Oh, great! That was the one with Ted Danson right. and Mary Steenburgen, right? Was Zoe working at Comedy Central when you started the show? Mm, or did she? Doctor Katz, I'm not sure. Yeah, or did she arrived there later. I think she may have arrived a little later. Okay, yeah. Now before I before we get to Doctor Katz,
2: um... uh, please don't let me forget to talk about the audio book because I'm not a great salesman. Oh,
0: this is selling it. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Right, I'm just not to listening be to you. Makes people want to listen to you more. Oh, thank you. Um, but before that, uh, I remember watching House of Games for the first time mm-hmm. in college for a class, and uh, wow. <laughs> I, I did hope not it was, know. It. I did I not know it was math. <laughs> I think it was abnormal psychology. <laughs> really? Was yeah. That really? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, what was the initial? Because you're credited on the story with David. Right. What was the initial story that eventually developed into House of Games?
2: It's so unlikely. Init- the working title for years was Massive Games. No, mm-hmm. sorry, that's too stupid. <laughs> no, I think it was just had to do with David Mamet's fascination with con artists. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't describe myself as being fascinated. I think I was a con artist, certainly in the world of table tennis. And also in in billiards, but I also was often conned myself, and so was David. We we would go to this place on 79th and Broadway, which is no longer a pool hall. Mm -hmm. And there was just some people so good... At making you think you're crazy not to play them, with with a certain, with a get giving, giving giving a very generous advantage, right? The hustle,
0: yeah, right. But you learn that about uh, table tennis, ping pong as well, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Ping pong, I really I had the edge. I, there was a time in the, well, let's see, let me, um, in the seventies, in the eighties. Or I could walk into any room in America mm-hmm. and know if there was anyone there who could beat me. I, was one, I would say I was in the top 25 players in the country for several years. And um, anyone who knows the game and is listening to this, please forgive me for exaggerating. Um, I was the New York State champion in 1964. Ask me what style I played. What style did you play? Defensive. <laughs> That's my best ping pong joke. Um,
0: Was the hustle of uh, of ping pong the same as, as billiards? Or well, let's
2: say, I mean, do you play it all?
0: Uh, casually. Yeah. And do you
2: remember what kind of racket you, you played with?
0: Was it sandpaper, or did it have, like, a surface on uh, it? Had, no, it had a surface on it. Right. Um,
2: well, my, my most effective hustle was, um, let's say, I would say to you, okay, I will give you uh, 15 points ahead starting a game to 21. And during... Every point, I will recall some painful experience of my from my adolescence, um, and people went for that. What they didn't know was that he wasn't really recalling. Um, but uh, and my second best hustle was there was a racket. At this point, I was living in, in the town of Douglaston, Long Island. Okay. And and we had a ping-pong table, and there was a, we left a racket out in the sun. So it, was, it had a, like a rubber surface on it, but all the pips had melted. So it, it had no impact on the way. When you hit the ball with it, no matter how you hit it, the ball would go up like 10 feet in the air. Oh,
0: so you couldn't many, put any spin on it. No,
2: you couldn't control the ball. So most, there were many people in New York who had been hustling me. So I bring that, I brought that racket to this club, Marty Reisman's place on ninety six and Broadway, and I said, "You play with this racket, and I'll play you. I'll give you a ten point advantage." And These guys thought I was dreaming, but they could not win a point from me. <laughs> huh. The first time I got hustled was by Marty Reisman, who was a two time USS U.S. champion. U.S.S.
0: <laughs> USSR, yeah,
2: <laughs> two time U.S. champion. And he played me with a chess piece. I was twelve. My mother brought me there, and he played me for money. He
0: which did, chess piece, though? I think I was his pawn. <laughs> um, you know, just <laughs> because if it's the king or queen, that's a longer, longer piece but, than the pawn. Long. Yeah, it's
2: longer. But it's, not, it's a tiny surface. Yeah. he also could hit the ball with his foot, you know,
0: or behind his back. Um, so it's, a, it's a neat but very limited skill. Yeah. <laughs> I can't translate that to the outside world. Which, which
2: part are you talking about? Hitting the ball with a chess piece? Yeah. Or,
0: <laughs> or hitting the ball with your foot? He made a living at it.
2: Hmm. You know,
0: he traveled all over the world. Did you? How much money did you ever make? What was, like, the most amount? The most, the most money I that ever you came made home with. playing legitimately mm-hmm. was
2: I won a tournament in Atlanta, Georgia. And I won enough money to take a bus back to New York. 200 bucks. And maybe get something to eat. Yeah. But I also took a bus from New York to California. 87 hours on Greyhound. To play, I hope the, it stopped. Yeah, <laughs> to play the U.S. Open. Okay, where I because uh, I was I thought I had a shot at it, and I lost, lost to a guy named Ralph Childs who I should have known I was in trouble because he held the racket with like a golf glove. Hmm. I didn't know why, but he was just so much better than me.
0: The glove should have been a tip off. Yeah, that's when you know they're serious. Yeah, but it, it is an amazing game.
2: And it's also a, it's a very zen game because you can't think of anything else when you're playing. Just as it's all immediate, right? Unlike billiards, where you have a chance to think about what that
0: stupid chat you're about to make. Actually, there's math involved in billiards. Yeah, the tree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember in grade school uh, watching a, a Disney film with Donald Duck, and showed. Show geometry with uh, with a pool table.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's funny. Yeah.
0: I don't know why I remembered that yeah. and not all the things that they taught me. <laughs> Did you see the... Did uh, you watch this
2: CNN show, The History of Comedy? I try not to. Well, there, there was an animation episode, mm-hmm. and I made a tiny appearance on it, and I felt badly about it, the size of the appearance. Then I remembered how much comedy there was long before I was alive. Oh, right. Uh, how much animation uh, and how good it was. And since Dr. Katz has been a wonderful animation. But I was. I, and then I ended up being flattered to be
0: part of it. Part of the history of anything. Well, I feel, <laughs> Yes. Well, I feel like. The, I was just talking about this with my producer the other day. I feel like that show is not geared toward people in comedy. Right, that's geared toward the most casual yeah. observer to give them the base overview of what comedy yeah. was.
2: But one of the people who um, narrates the show mm. is a comedian named Wayne Fetterman. Oh, um, yeah. And he actually is able to talk about comedy and be funny at the same time, which is really hard. And he's able to do it.
0: That's, your grandson has uh, yeah. turned into a train. Yeah,
2: that's the son of my grandson, James Otis Cherry
0: Is he in therapy yet?
2: <laughs> no, but, the, but his parents He's it's driving his parents nuts But he's just at that age, you know Yeah With the funniest thing in the world, saying poop
0: what, what was your attitude toward therapy when Dr. Katz came about? Did you have um, an attitude about it? Well, I I think
2: by the time that show aired, I had been in and out of therapy many times. And I, I, I believed in, I was a believer in therapy. I also believed that it's an incredible scam. Because um, no one actually gets better. But, you know, there there are some people who benefit from therapy... You know, it's to pay somebody really for the opportunity to talk about yourself is worth it for some people, including me for at some times in my life. Um, I think the best time to be in therapy is when you're a kid and all those childhood memories are still fresh. Joke number one. I don't know how long we've been talking, but that's that's a long way to go for without a joke.
0: <laughs> I used to get. Did you did you did you see a therapist when you were a child?
2: No. Okay. But I used to get picked on when I was a kid, so my uh, dad enrolled me in a martial arts class. Okay. Where I would get beat up in a more formal setting.
0: Joke With the uniforms
2: too. Oh, my God. You know, I once did a show in in Cambridge mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Tingle, do you know him? Oh, right He had a it's club in, in Somerville Yeah, he yeah. had a great club mm-hmm. And I did a show called 70 Laughs And I picked the number 70 because it was an hour show And I didn't want people to think I was a laugh a minute <laughs> What does that work out? Maybe it was a longer show Because it would be more than a laugh a minute Right so Maybe it was an hour and a half
0: Hmm. There would have been. Did you count them out in that show? No. Oh, so <laughs> you just you just trusted <laughs> you. the audience.
2: <laughs> I didn't show want that over. pressure. You know. <laughs> what I really enjoyed mm-hmm. was putting together a five-minute set for a talk show, because then you're condensing your material. And you're working with the segment producer. Mm-hmm. Um, on Dr. Katz, the audiobook, I am both the host of a little talk show mm-hmm. called Therapy and the, and the segment producer. Because I have to figure out with my patients beforehand
0: what areas, into what areas they would like me to lead them. Right. Which is much like what modern talk shows have done.
2: Yes, some, some talk shows still work in that world. But I was watching James Corday the other night. Mm-hmm. He does
0: a lot of his show in the car. Oh, right. Singing. Yeah. yeah. And he's wonderful. Um, and they don't even go and get coffee. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, But Conan's format is pretty traditional,
0: as is...
2: Does Seth
0: Meyers do a monologue? Uh, no, he he does it from the desk. Yeah. Um. But it always it always fascinated me when I would watch stand up comedians on talk shows, yeah. and they were sitting at the panel, not not Great. performing their set. But even though they were sitting at the panel, they were getting set up for their jokes.
2: And you you were is, conscious of that as a
0: kid. With the comedians that I knew Yeah I knew that they were just doing the jokes That I yeah. would hear on the albums
2: Yeah, that's pretty perceptive of you as a kid
0: But but that was kind of the formula For Dr. Katz, too, right? Well The comedians would do their act But, yeah, but, but said but, it but, but as this, if they were talking just to you
2: Yeah But that's not how it started It started as though Um... We learned to do that formula Mm -hmm. soon, but it started as me actually thinking that I could draw something funny out of people as their therapist. I was so nothing could be further from the truth. I got people so down. They came down to my energy level. They got sad. They told me their actual problems. (laughs) I couldn't do anything about it. One woman cried. One guy felt a little bit better. And then Tom Snyder, who was the co-creator of that show.
0: With the Squiggle Vision.
2: Well, that's just one of his contributions. He directed the uh, the animation, mm-hmm. um, the actors. But um, he realized that it would be better to have my patients do their act and to bring in all the people who work for me. He had a big company that made educational software. And we had... Something like thirty people in the studio room, but they couldn't—they didn't bleed onto the mic, but the patient could hear their laughter. So it felt more like they were performing. Okay. Um,
0: for doing the audio book, though, you—you you probably didn't have. No, we don't have the crew no. because no, you're point. not animating, so there's no yeah, and there's no it, need for those it's people. It's a
2: very odd experience for a lot of comedians because. There is no audience except me and the guy who edits the show is listening mm-hmm. to a guy named Rob Lynch.
0: Not to be confused with Ron Lynch, right. the comedian.
2: although everyone does, including me. Huh. Um, Do they both have mustaches? Let me make a call. Um,
0: <laughs> right, that, that's, a, that's more of a day-to-day <laughs> yeah. decision. Um but when you're recording the audiobook, that's a much different scenario, not just because it's twenty years later but also right since you're not animating it
2: right except for two specials that are on the audiobook- recorded one in San Francisco mm-hmm. in front of a live audience and one in l a in front of a live audience
0: how i've uh... I know you've done it at other festivals too with yeah. live audiences. How does that ch- how, how does that change everything when you have them oh, in everything. front of you in person with hundreds, Nay thousands? Yeah, I have to I have to reassure
2: the patient that nothing leaves this room, <laughs> even though they're, they're surrounded by many right? people in the audience. It changes the energy for sure because people love performing in front of an audience. Myself included.
0: Right. Um, so you feel your your comedy therapy, the therapy you offer, differs with a live audience?
2: I'm thinking of more as a performance at the moment. Mm. But... Um, no, I think I still offer... Dr. Katz is not a bad therapist. Yeah, I have no training, but... I think my um, pretty. I understand the 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 human. Mm-hmm. Although I would say, because I'm in New Yorker, I would say the human condition. Um, human. I understand a lot about marriage and childhood and. I'm so fucking smart. I could plots. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Have, have um, John Benjamin or Laura Oh, I have been, been Been in the live shows, too, or no? Uh,
2: Laura has been have Both of them been a couple of times Okay um, But John Benjamin and Laura are part of the audio book Right Which wonderful, along with uh, Some new characters One is played by Rick Overton Who I, I knew You know, I knew him in, at the Improv in New York Where I was starting out And I saw him Improv- he was wearing skinny
0: ties back then, I think.
2: You might be right. And he was improvising. I saw him improvising with Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Dom Herrera, mm-hmm. who I also met at the Improv in New York. Um,
0: What's your question? So they they have been part of the live shows and the audio book. Did ha, did Ben has has Ben aged or is he or is he so, stayed, we're so confused? About or is he stayed? That. He and I have the same no age. age?
2: He and I have no idea how old he is anymore. Because uh, in
0: animation, it,
2: it it's tends always to the same, always people the same. don't age in yeah. animated series. Yeah. yeah, this is new territory for everybody. <laughs> this audiobook. <laughs> Luckily, his voice sounds exactly the same. That's good. Yeah. Um, that adds to the timeless aspect of some, it. <laughs> He sometimes asks me how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell him? I don't know, Ben. You know, it's it's up to you really. <laughs> but in one episode of the audiobook, mm-hmm. he had this idea that I actually thought it was a good idea for for a business mm-hmm. to um to be a DNA broker. You know, he Rather than, if you wanted your DNA tested, let him handle it, you know, because <laughs> he can make you and him a lot of money. Ah. So I became a client of his in that okay. episode, as did Laura, until Laura pointed out that this, you know, it's just a scam. <laughs> you know, first of all... <laughs>
0: You're still getting hustled Yeah
2: <laughs> After all these years yeah, You're still I getting hustled learn By mm. both of them By Laura as well But Ben is superb uh, At playing me Are there Are there Oh, oh in one more episode yeah. he, he said to me Dad you know, we, we, you know You're not getting any younger And I think it's time That you moved out <laughs> so, It sounds so unkind But It does He did provide Ungrateful Yeah I need to offer a certain kind of logic behind that, but I forget what that was.
0: Now, will the audiobook will that be able to be submitted for a Grammy? Yes, because you already have an Emmy. Yep. And you have a Peabody. Right. So you could get a peg. And I also have a. There's cap- the egot, but you could get a peg. Hmm. What, what is the peg? Peabody Emmy Grammy. Oh
2: peg oh the trifecta. Yeah. they also have the cable Ace awards you can oh. buy oh you can buy
0: an eBay for thirty bucks well, that was before they let the cable networks into the Emmys they right. had to have that's their own right. That's, right. that's why they had the cable yeah. Ace awards because they had to have their own they weren't allowed in the Emmys for a while and Tom Sundray both have a nova what's the is that animated
2: no it's still producing oh okay could kind have of produced this Guild award hmm. but the Emmy is the best. And I have better than the Peabody.
0: Well, just the way it looks. Oh, you know the actual the trophy trof. itself.
2: But I I have a, a little shrine in my home mm-hmm. in, in Massachusetts, and on in that shrine to have I'm that trying to have a a Peabody Award, an Emmy Award, an award from the uh, M S Society called the Gift of Laughter Award, and. Um, and a couple more, but out of the ones I've mentioned to you, which award do you think means the
0: most to me? Well, you had just said into the microphone that you love the Emmy the most, but the way you phrased the preambles of this question, I want to say the Gift of Laughter trophy.
2: No, it's the Emmy because I'm an <laughs> asshole like
0: everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you won the Emmy, we'll get to that mess in a second. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not going anywhere, right? right. Nope. Okay, fact, uh, it's progressing as we talk. Uh, that was Comedy Central's first yeah. Emmy. Did you know that at the time when you were accepting the award? Did you I know knew it
2: because um, the woman who told me about it knew it? Mm-hmm. Um, this it was woman, a fun fact. Yeah, Marianne Minster was her, is her name? Okay.
0: Had the had had the um, symptoms of MS already come I mean, I, I come was, to pass by then or no?
2: I was asymptomatic. I was diagnosed in ninety seven. Okay, and I was asymptomatic for till about the year two thousand. Okay, nineteen ninety
0: nine, maybe. Right, because when I I watched the video of your peabody acceptance and yeah, you, know, you weren't showing any signs then. In nineteen ninety eight. There's
2: a Another? video of that, yeah. Oh really? What yeah. where did you find it on YouTube? Yeah. Oh.
0: I've seen the Emmy Award. But it's that... it's on the page that has the citation on the Peabody Awards oh. website. Oh. Yeah. So you and Tom both accepted. Oh
2: really? Yeah. That that night, the first celebrity I bumped into at the Peabody Award was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. And I walked up and I said, and I shook his head and I said, thank you so much for, um, for being so strong. I do not know what to say.
0: <laughs> That's as good as anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you did start showing signs, did you... I, I know that at the time, Richard Pryor... Was already in a wheelchair right. from MS. Did did you did you think about him at the time, or did you think about other people with MS? I didn't. You know, or, I did.
2: I, was... just... I thought about other people in with disabilities. I used, I was very fond of my the way my body worked. You know, I was a fast runner. Um, I was a tennis player. You know, I was, I was an athlete, but. The thing I really enjoyed was being graceful
0: Mm. Um, but Being able to saunter
2: Yeah yeah. Um, The other thing that's happened with MS is it has messed with my eyes It's going to look like a trick But if you watch my eyes Do you see what they do? They start to go to the outside Yeah, they're not working together Yeah like if I want to see just one of you, hmm I have to close one eye, okay, oh here you are, but um that's called nuclear ophthalmic polygia. Hmm. I've never remembered it before.
0: Thank but you for uh, remembering it now, yeah, we didn't even have to make yeah. an edit, but that
2: prevented me from driving. I haven't driven a car in in seven years. But if you want a lift to the train station, I'm your guy. No, every time a doctor tell I see a doctor who looks mm-hmm. at my eyes, I always offer them a lift home just to see has if they mean it that I shouldn't be driving. Right. And nobody's taken me up on it
0: yet. Hmm. I could be the one.
2: Yep. In unrelated news. You no, know, it's from the
0: announcement <laughs> of your demise. <laughs> Well, where, where do you live in, in New York? I live in Astoria, Queens. Right.
2: Yeah, I know the port. I, I went to Bayside High. Okay. Um, as did Andy Kindler.
0: Um, so then what drew you to, to Boston slash Newton? My wife
2: grew up there. Okay. Our home now is about four blocks away from where she grew up. No, we don't know the people living in that house anymore, hmm. but we still feel like we have a right to go in.
0: That is that is something that's yeah. pretty common. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Gonna have you? Well, did you I, move as a kid a lot? Not a lot. No. So, I think uh, I've just gone by. I have. I haven't gotten the nerve to actually go. No. Asked to go in.
2: Well, my sister who lives in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. She and I went on a tour of all my previous homes mm-hmm. and her personal um, I would hope. Yeah, and this same was and we would be re- being recorded by NPR while we did this. Oh, okay. And I was trying to make a show for NPR having to do with looking for my mother's voice, which I miss. And I, um, but apparently not that much because my sister and I ended up look, looking at every apartment or house. We lived in Sheepshead Bay. We lived in on the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side, uh, West 78th, East 90th. Um, Place we went to we,
0: was your family in trouble? Yes. Why were they moving so often?
2: Well, we we wonder that. Part of that had with the fact that they were both communists, mm. and they were in fact um, subpoenaed by the House Un-American Activities Committee. But I'm not sure that's why they moved so much. I think.
0: Well, my last name was McCarthy, so even though I'm not oh be- even though I'm not related, I feel I duty bound. Right now. I feel duty bound to apologize. <laughs> oh my god! On behalf of McCarthyism.
2: Well your style is much nicer.
0: Although I don't have a, a... yeah, I have McCarthyism and you have Cats Katz, Cats and Jammer. Yeah. Ism- the cat's whale. <laughs> right. But
2: you know, we used to joke about my father owing a lot of money on a video, that's why we kept moving. But um I'm not sure exactly why. I think he was also he went from being a communist to being slightly upwardly mobile. Hmm. Get better jobs, and then after my mother died, my dad discovered he really loved rich women. Hmm. Which is very uncommunist-like. Yeah. And he married a woman who was the heir to the Bloomingdale fortune. Really. Lived on her estate, and I lived in the carriage house where I would write songs mm-hmm. and order in food and charge it to Bloomingdale's. That's the that's
0: living the life. Yeah.
2: You know, I ran up a bill of about two thousand dollars at a pizza place when I moved out. I never paid it. Um,
0: I'm glad you didn't. We didn't mention the place. Yeah. So you, I'll, let, I'll let you ask the questions. <laughs> so, uh, so having lived with multiple sclerosis for two decades now. And I'm not an easy guy to live with. No. Okay. Um, and MS doesn't pay the rent. Right. Do you f- do you feel do you feel like you've adjusted to it, or is it or is it still an ongoing process?
2: I I feel like I'm managing the illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I have too many doctors in my life. That's the one thing about I think that's just the nature of aging. Even if I didn't have MS, um, I have a vascular specialist in my life. Okay. I never wanted that. No, oh. I'm not sure what she does actually. But um, they're not a lot. She told me she, there are only four of, of her in the country. And she was. She's a, a
0: quadruplet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and she was a really eccentric woman. Very mm-hmm. funny. And I was trying to remember with my wife. What was it? something odd happened to her the day I met her. And my wife remembered she'd just fallen on her head.
0: Anyway. That's, that's an unfortunate it's, circumstance yeah. for your vascular specialist. <laughs> yeah. I hope she went through the concussion protocols. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure. Um did it did it um. Did it make making this audiobook more of a priority for you? Your health? Well... Wanting to accomplish this?
2: I, I don't know if I'd put it that way, but it certainly is a great gig for a guy in my condition. I I don't really... You know, I'm much more... I would love to be play a bad guy in a movie, mm. which a lot of comedians say... But I actually mean it. Um, Have you mentioned this to David? Yeah. Has he hasn't written the part yet? Hmm. But um, but I did remember when I worked on I worked on a TV show with Ted and after Ink called Help Me Help You. Mm, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, had a very short life. Mm-hmm. And he Played a shrink. And I was another played another shrink, and there were a bunch of people playing shrinks. And he said to me after the episode I shot, he said, "Boy, you're a really expensive hire." Because I had I had a certain quote that I needed to get mm-hmm. paid, and then they had to fly me out for Newt, from Newton, Mass, mm-hmm. put me up in a hotel for ten days for a day's work, um, and it wasn't that good. <laughs>
0: But uh you are inexpensive. Yeah. <laughs> but you're worth it. Oh. Stop. Stop. So okay, so the the bad guy, that's a gig that's still on yeah. the table. Yeah. Anything else and, that uh, Tom
2: Snyder and I once went into uh Fox to pitch a show mm-hmm. in LA. And at the time, I was using a mobil- mobility scooter to get around. And he rented one because he wanted to see what it felt like. And he, that's the kind of friend he is. He's a great friend. And we went in there, and we went to the front desk. Tom said, we're here for handicaps. So that's another thing that would be fun to do, is to play part of a very elite force of cops or, or secret ops. Right. Undercover Undercover, yeah Or, or, or all on uh, mobility scooters Or maybe there's a blind guy um,
0: I, I'm visualizing the pitch know. As you're as you're telling it to me So network execs If you're listening Yeah um, Sign up Jonathan um, Katz for handicaps <laughs>
2: It'll
0: be shot on location Right, wherever, wherever you want <laughs> As long as it's in Philadelphia or yeah. In Boston yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> Wherever you it's want
2: ground, And it's ground level you know, it's, It has to be accessible mm-hmm. you know? um, But there are scooters that can go anywhere They're really amazing scooters Do you have one of those? I have a really good scooter It's, mm-hmm. it's not I spend I don't know how much time I spend on YouTube Looking at things you'd like to own someday do you? What is it that you dream of owning?
0: I was looking at, m- most recently. I was looking at um, scooters, like electric—not the mobility ones, but like oh, vespas and.
2: Right. Jesus is so dangerous, especially yeah. in a place like New
0: York. Well, there's so many delivery drivers in my neighborhood that use electric. That they use the electric bikes. Yeah. But I thought. Well, it was actually when George George Clooney got in an accident recently, Yeah. and he was riding his Vespa, and I figured if George Clooney can drive around almost Italy get, in one... And almost get killed. And almost get killed, then why not me?
2: Yeah. I tried a Vespa when but, we were recording Dr. Katz. One mm-hmm. of the uh, audio editors bought a Vespa, and he let me try it in, in the parking lot, Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun, but I realized in that moment that I don't want to go this fast.
0: Um, for me, it was the realizing that in New York, I'd have to get a motorcycle license. Oh. And just the trip to the DMV alone. Wait,
2: even even for an electric bike?
0: Uh, for an electric bike, no. But for if I got a Vespa or anything that went over 25 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, you know, what you should. Do? You would need a separate license, which would mean testing and yeah. going to the DMV and all of that.
2: You know, you, could get you couldn't an, a use really, your regular license. You could get really fast. When I say really fast, mm-hmm. I mean 15 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Mobility scooter.
0: My my parents have golf carts. They because they've semi-retired to Florida. Oh really? At a golfing community where. But you, that's not they, the where they there, drive. Right? The, no.
2: But you can get a mobility scooter that you mm-hmm. can use on the street and on the sidewalk. Really? That goes 15. From a company called E Wheels. Okay. And
0: this it, episode of Last Things First wait, sponsored wait, by E Wheels.
2: And if you do get one, I'll come visit you and try it. Oh. Because my wife won't let me go on anything that fast. All right. My my scooter goes from mm-hmm. from uh, six to seven in. No, let me try this joke again. It goes from my score to goes from zero to seven in twenty minutes. <laughs> um,
0: well, we've taken much more than twenty minutes here. Yeah. So uh, before before I let you let me go, Great. Um, would Doctor Katz have any, have any career therapy for an aspiring comedian today? Um, are you talking about yourself? No, or, or just any uh, the aspiring comedian well, out there listening.
2: Yeah, but before we get to that, I just want to tell you how wonderful the audio book is. It really, I mean, I'm so proud of the work. Uh, Kevin Nealon is brilliant. Kristen Shaw Live is brilliant. Paul F. Tompkins
0: is unbelievably funny. Um, well, it's got to get you the Grammy, so... For that okay.
2: peg. No, wait, I'm going to tell you more people... Um, well, Laura Silverman, just listening to Laura Silverman, she can say, she can be angry in so many different ways. It's pretty remarkable. lot
0: well, that, that happens growing up with Sarah.
2: Yeah. I imagine. H. John Benjamin, mm-hmm. who uh, finally admitted that the age stands for half-affectation. Um, Rick Overton. Mm-hmm. Erica Rose is a young comedian who's, when I say young, I mean she's less than 90.
0: Um she was a new face at yeah. the Montreal Festival right. this year. so am very funny. So they consider her young.
2: Yeah, and she plays Laura's sister. Um, and this is exciting. Laura Kightlender, who I, I've admired for so many years, mm, yes. is my therapist. Oh. And she is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> As a therapist, the mm-hmm. thing she says is so inappropriate.
0: So if there's a so if there's a young uh, aspiring funny person yeah. listening to this right. who would someday love to be sit down with Dr. Katz to to get their career to the point where Dr. Katz would sit with them, what kind of therapy would you offer? Well, first you put your two knees way
2: up tight, mm-hmm. move them to the left, uh-huh. move them to the right, and then you get as much stage time as you can. Just you know you have to find a place where you can make mistakes if you live in Boston, that would be the comedy studio, if you live in new york i 'm not quite sure where there are places to make mistakes. You could probably suggest a few of it, but um, and you don 't have to make mistakes, but it 's going to happen right whether, whether you want to or not.
0: Right for you, you got you enjoyed the cab racing. Yeah, the cab
2: a good place, um, and that's making a comeback. The cab racing. Um, the other piece of advice I would give you is to work for strangers hmm. rather than don't invite your friends and family because that's a different skill, making people you know laugh. Right. Um.
0: sending a check no I can't yeah. ask for money um, not by check no you uh, need Venmo for that um, or PayPal
2: yeah what else what else is my advice I don't know oh you have to document any funny idea you have anything that you think even if you think it's a crazy idea document it, leave yourself a message on your phone write it down but that's the best advice I ever got from a woman named Carol Siskin you should write that down if I would say something funny to Mm -hmm. her it never occurred to me
0: yeah otherwise that that funny thought that funny saying just goes out into the ether And try to keep
2: the material personal or make it... The most personal stuff is probably the most... Probably the funniest stuff. That's all I got.
0: Well, that's, that's, mm. that's more than I could have hoped for.
2: Did I mention how funny Jenny Slate is? You just did now. Oh, on the audio book, she talks about... her. She's talking about her mom and her mother's... Fascination with the Holocaust, mm. but not in the traditional way. She finds it kind of titillating her mother. Mm. Um, or maybe it was Jenny who found it kind of titillating.
0: I'll we'll have to listen to the audiobook to find out. Yeah, anyway. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.
1: Things first. One night long ago by the light of the moon An old music master sat composing a tune His spirit was soaring and his heart full of joy When right out of nowhere stepped the little colored boy You gotta jump it, music master You gotta play that rhythm faster Or else you never get it played on a happy cat it parade you better tell your friend Beethoven and Mr. Reginald De Cohen, they gotta do the same with you, or they're gonna be corny too. Long about 1917, jazz will come upon the scene that about 1935, you begin to hear swing boogie-woogie and jive. You better tell the big broadcaster that you're a solid music master, and you're the cheap posterity, that's a bit of advice from me. The old music master simply sat there amazed As wide-eyed and open-mouthed he gazed, and he gazed How can you be certain, little boy? Tell me how Because I was born, he said, a hundred years from now He hit a chord that the spirit And disappeared into the infinite And up to this very day You can take it from me He's as right as can be Everything has happened that way Yeah